You may have been told not to cross your bridges before you get to them, but I'm going to tell you in this episode exactly why you should cross those bridges before you get to them and how to do it in a way that will completely change your experience. Welcome to the Pursuing Perspective podcast in connection with The Warrior Project and sponsored in part by the Medjucos Health Institute. This podcast brings together people who actively pursue healing and growth on their journey and want to help others do the same. It is not just another bank of ideas from experts in their field, but is also a place that includes paths for practical application to shift both beliefs and behaviors for the purpose of progression. It's about knowing where you're at and how to get to where you want to be. Hello friends, I'm so happy that you are here. I am your host, Chantel Thaxton-Blake. This is episode 13, Cross the Bridge Before You Get to It. When I was young, my mom used to say to me, you know, you cross every bridge a hundred times before you get to it. And she didn't mean that in a positive way (laughs) because I was a worrier. It was very much driven by anxiety of what was in front of me and not feeling like I had control over it. And I wanted to avoid something uncomfortable or pain, and I needed to know how it was going to work out or what the ending result was going to be. So I had three really big needs that would drive me ruminating over what was in front of me. It was my need for control, a need to not experience pain, and a need to know. What was interesting about what I was doing is I wasn't necessarily preparing for the experience. I was just making myself more anxious and creating more anxiety around that. I was, I was ruminating. I was just swimming in that, that fear. And so, you know, with my mother, with what she had learned, she would talk about, you know, maybe there's a different way to approach this, but originally, you know, it's, and and I think we've all heard this as kids, you know, just don't think about it, right? Just don't go into it and think about it. And there's that, that psychology experiment where, you know, they say, close your eyes, imagine a pink elephant as vividly as you can. It's hot pink. Does it look like Dumbo or is it like an elephant in the zoo? And then they say, now I want you to not think about the pink elephant. Think of anything else but the pink elephant and try for a few minutes. And of course, what are you thinking of? (laughs) The pink elephant, right? And then they'll, the next part of that experiment is to say, okay, now close your eyes and try to think about what you did for today. Who did you meet? Where did you go? Anything interesting happened? What did you eat for lunch? And then asked again, how many times did you think of that pink elephant? And it was different, right? Usually none. And that little exercise or experiment is proof that suppressing our thoughts really doesn't work. We have to focus our attention on something else just telling us to not think about something doesn't work. And this is this is an interesting, as we move and kind of review back into step 11 of the 12 steps of recovery for trauma, abuse, and adversity, that this step 11 is about changing our behaviors with, you know, changing that behavior based on once we've changed those thoughts, emotions, Um, and belief. So step 11 is we commit to behaviors that are consistent with our healthier emotions, thoughts, and beliefs. So here's the points that I reviewed in the last episode of step 11. So I'm just going to go over those quickly again. So the points for this step are first, as we work on changing our emotions, thoughts, and beliefs, behavior change will follow. 
This being a, the second point, this being a circular feedback process, as we implement behavior change, our emotions, thoughts, and beliefs are reinforced in a positive way. Third point, some critical positive behavior changes are self-parenting, self-care, and showing up with self-compassion. Research is clear that for behavior change to be positive and lasting, self-compassion is far more effective than self-punishment. I'm going to get into the third point a little bit today. We talked about um, self-parenting in the last episode, in episode 12, and we're going to go more into self-compassion in the next episode, episode 14. Fourth point, as we consciously change behavior, we can take advantage of the brain's design for efficiency to automate the process. By consciously repeating these behaviors through evidence-based methods, we create unconscious action programming or habits. I'm going to be bringing part of that fourth point in today in a process that helps change the way we cross that bridge. And I'm going to be talking also about those first two points, um, how once we're changing our emotions, thoughts, and beliefs around something, our behavior change will follow. So what I'm going to share with you um, in this process, so it, let me explain a little bit about why we need to do this first. So this process that I'm going to share um, is about going from unconscious behavior, which is driven by two primary sources. So first, our unconscious thoughts and beliefs, and second, the resulting strong and often negative emotions to conscious uh, um, and negative emotions and shifting that to conscious awareness, which is driven by first intentional constructive thoughts and beliefs and positively conditioned responses. So it's really about going from an unconscious where we're just spiraling into that conscious intentional choice. When our unconscious thoughts and emotions are driving the experience, we can feel like a passenger with no control or choice in that experience. And this often leads to those spiraling emotions that are fueled by fear. Um, that just It's like we can't pull ourselves out of it. It's like a spin in an airplane. We just can't pull ourselves out. And that can land us in a space where we feel victim to our circumstances. It is often difficult, though, to have these intentional constructive thoughts and positive responses during the actual event if we have not conditioned ourselves to do so. And that's because during the actual event, particularly when we are fearful of, we go into that fight, flight, or freeze, and we function from our reactionary brain rather than our rational brain. This is why conditioning ourselves prior to the event is critical. So this is, this is the difference, right? If we're going to cross that bridge, if we do so very intentionally with a practice that's going to yield positive results as opposed to just spinning in, those, in that fear and those negative emotions, that's going to be what's going to positively affect and change, dramatically change our experience when we get to it. Let's talk about conditioning first, though. Conditioning is going to be part of this process. And conditioning, when I first was thinking about the words that I wanted to use with this, conditioning can have a negative connotation, <laughs> like miserable conditioning if you've done a sports, or it can have even negative um, ideas of brainwashing. But we want to think about conditioning and the power of it, the positive power of it. Um, in relation to a sport or physical activity, it's about practicing, building up, equipping, strengthening, and making ready. It is about building us for the event so that we can intentionally respond rather than just react. So it's about getting us to that practice so that we can show up differently. So we're working on our thoughts and our emotions and beliefs prior to the event about the event so that when we actually show up to the event, our behavior is going to be different and not just from that unconscious reactionary place. The process that I'm going to share with you is one that was actually born out of my recent experience with my back issues and uh, back procedures and surgery. 
And I'm going to share just some of that experience to provide a tangible example as we go through this process. I've debated a lot on the name for this process and it may change, um, but for now, I'm calling it the conscious constructive or calling it conscious constructive conditioning <laughs> or the three C's. Um, so I landed on this because it best describes the purpose or the intent of this process. And it's a process to help us be aware and intentional as we build positive responses that help us move from feeling powerless in a situation to feeling empowered. This process takes us from anxiety to a surety and makes crossing that bridge before we get to it effective. So based on, this is such a, it was just so, um, I don't know, such a personal thing when I connected that um, and the, and realizing that I am crossing that bridge and it can be effective. You know, I felt so guilty that I was doing it and so I was just trying not to think about it like the pink elephant and it would just make it worse and then I'd feel guilty and it just became this vicious cycle in my life that was just anxiety um, producing and feeding. And so this became, this was something that started to happen to me as I faced these really scary procedures um, and surgery, and I could feel myself starting to do that. And I really wanted to do this differently. And that's where this process um, was born. So let's talk about this conscious constructive conditioning. And it was, it was so transformative for me as part of a behavioral change based on what I'm learning through this process and what I've shared in these steps that I wanted to share it with you because it could apply to any situation in front of us. Um, and now we can't always predict what's going to be in front of us, right? But that's why we condition so that when we have something unexpected, we're strengthened and prepared and we're more ready for so I'm going to talk about this in these procedures that I had in front of me. As I mentioned, I'm just going to use that briefly as a tangible experience. But I want you to think about this with events that you have in front of you, experiences that you're facing that you might be fearful of, and how you can apply this in your life. And we're going to break that down. So step one. So first of all, I'm going to use the, the term bridge because that was such a personal thing for me um, for these experiences. Okay, so whatever bridge is in front of you. The first question is, what is your attitude about the bridge? What is your belief thoughts, emotions around it. When you just think about that experience, you know, I can tell you what mine were. Um, that initial, before the surgery, they needed to do some diagnostic injections. Um, one right into um, where the nerve was being pinched so that I would feel if it was going to get relief um, to check if which was going to be involved in the fusion and then another one in the SI joint to see that it was involved, um, if it was involved. Um, I have a real fear of needles and a real trauma from childhood. I used to get croup all the time when I was little and I usually ended up in the ER and they would try breathing treatments which seldom worked and I always ended up getting an injection. I don't remember what it was but I remember always being face down and held down um, and I have a lot of trauma around that and so having to be down flat with my face down and no control over that, that's the same position that I was in. Um, I had um, a steroid injection when this first happened a year ago and it was terrifying for me just because of so much around that. And I did okay, but I really wanted to consciously show up to this differently. And so the first thing I had to do, so step one is just, you know, what do I believe about it? So I had all this fear that I had to work on and I was really coming from victim energy. This was happening to me. I couldn't do anything about this. Now, I'm going to be careful when I use victim energy, that word, because we can absolutely have things that happen to us in our life through no fault of our own. And we can indeed be victims to something. So I want to be careful and I'm not you know, dismissing this or making it feel like that's our fault or doing the victim blaming. 
But what happens is, yes, when something happens to us that we have no control over, we can get stuck there. But we do have a choice from that point about how we want to move forward that allows us to move out of that victim energy where if we stay in that, then everything keeps feeling like it's happening to us and we can't control anything and we're constantly in fear. And and that was something that I've worked through in other experiences in my life and I've been able to apply it um, kind of universally to things that's been really helpful. So just keep it in mind that way that yes, there can be things that, you know, like a car accident, you know, no fault of our own, it can happen to us, but we do have choice from that point on about how we process that whole experience, um, going back to the recovery and all the things that we've talked about in previous episodes. So I want to talk about just the different specifics, and I have a, um, a graph on this that'll just really be a nice visual for you in the notes if you want to print those up, of the comparison between three key components of either victim energy or victor energy. So victim energy is based on three main aspects or attitudes, that it's happening to me, that I have no control, and it's driven by fear. Victor energy is this is happening for me. Now again, car accident, how is that happening for you, right? But from the time of the actual event, you can say, okay, how can I make this work for me? How can I grow from this or learn from this or gain empathy from this or anything along those lines? We can shift that perspective as part of reframing, which we talked about back in episode four. The next point of Victor Energy is that we focus on what we can control. That's step one in our 12 steps. That's critical. What can I control in this situation? And most of that is what happens internally. We can control that. And then third, it's grounded in faith rather than fear. So step one is really recognizing how are we showing up to this and how do we want to show up? And I recognized that I was coming at this with a ton of victim energy. It was very fear-driven. I felt like I had zero control. And for me to have a different experience, to not just reinforce that belief, I needed to very be very conscious about how I wanted to show up to this, that I wanted to show up to this with Victor energy. And part of that comes in just recognizing and choosing it, um, choosing how we're going to show up starts to move that immediately. Choice is one of the key ways that we move out of that. So I chose to just consciously, I'm going to show up to this differently and I'm going to do this through this process of this conscious um, conditioning. This this is so, so critical, this conscious constructive conditioning to practice beforehand. So step two of this process is to visualize the experience with as much detail as possible. So visualization is a key part of this process. So what happened then is I went through every point from the time I was going to leave the house walking into the building for the procedure, all of the aspects of the procedure until I was in the car to come home. You want to use as m- all of your senses. So um, now this was something that my husband helped me do because it's kind of hard to do on your own. This is going to be something that we're going to create supports for so that you can have someone help you do this process. But if you can just have someone kind of walk through so that you don't have to think about it, You can just be in it and kind of give you prompting questions like, okay, what are you going to do first? What are you feeling? What are you thinking? What are you smelling? What are you seeing? But you can do that for yourself. And I got so I could do it for myself. So I went through everything that I was feeling, getting in the car. I was okay. Getting into the building. I walked through, I knew what the waiting room looked like. And I just took it in the chairs, the colors, the smells, and 
And the very first thing I needed to do was say that I was choosing to go do this before I even got into the car, that I had to shift my belief that this wasn't a negative, this wasn't happening to me, that I was choosing to do this because it was going to give us the information that we needed to make sure that what I was doing in surgery was the most effective so that I didn't have to do this again. And that's what I had to keep thinking. And so that's what I would think about before I even got in the car. When we got into the waiting room, and I'm just visualizing this, and I visualized all those pieces, I visualized them walking us back. Now, we may not know exactly how it will look or be if we haven't been there. It's nice if you can go in and, and get in a sense of what the physical environment you're going to be in is like. But if not, just do some generals and it'll adapt fine once you're there. So I walked back into the, um, I knew where there was a prep room before the procedure because I'd had one a year ago, um, something a little bit different. And I remember the sheer terror when she said, okay, let's go back. It was this point of, okay, you've talked to me about it. And now my support, my husband has to leave and I'm going to go in here alone. And now really nothing is in my control anymore. And so what I call that um, is this is an action point. This is a point where those feelings of fear, of no control, of, oh my gosh, this is happening to me, those, those, those victim energy feelings, right, are coming up again. So this is about when you're visualizing it, when you sense those coming up again, this is where you want to stop and we're going to do something different to shift that energy. So what I did in that time was I realized, okay, I again, need to be conscious about me choosing to do this, that I am choosing to allow them to do this. They're not doing this to me without my choice. I am allowing them to do this. So what I did is I chose the words, um, let's proceed. And when I stood up, I visualized myself saying, let's proceed. And that was about me verbalizing, doing action. There's something very different with just thinking something, but doing a physical act, like saying the words or making a motion that is entirely different. So whatever you decide, key words are, are powerful. They're powerful action because they represent the conscious thoughts, feelings, and behaviors practiced to help shift that energy of that moment. But it could be a little movement that you do if you don't want to say something or an object that you're holding that you rub that at that point, you're recalling all of these things that you visualized. But for me, at that point, it was about me verbalizing, using my voice to give them permission to do this. So I visualized doing that. And then we kind of went through going into the procedure room. And right before I was going to lay down on the table, those feelings came up again. And I kept trying to find a word that made me feel back into control. And I kept getting stuck there. We were visualizing and I couldn't move past it. I'm like, I don't know. I can't get this. I can't get to anything that feels right. And the issue was, the reality was at that point, I really didn't have much control to what happened to me. Um, it was about consciously choosing to have faith in what was about to happen, to trust that it was going to be okay. So at that point, I realized I needed to visualize and say something different. I visualized turning it over to God and to those who would work on me. I chose to trust in their skill and their purpose in this process. I chose to trust that God had this and that I would be okay no matter what. So the words I chose at that time to bring all that in together as my key words were, it's yours. And I visualized myself handing it over to the divine. Now, I didn't want to say that out loud in the procedure room. Um, I guess I figured they wouldn't know who I was talking to, um, but I whispered it because I wanted that to be an actionable step. And I took a big, deep breath and visualized handing that over before I laid down. So then I knew kind of how they would start because they had talked me through it. 
Um, and I just was deep breathing deep. And then as the injection started, um, it was this thing like I kept trying to visualize it going okay and not really hurting that bad. And I just got stuck there again. I tried so hard because I thought if I visualized it not hurting, it wouldn't hurt. And I had to realize again, the reason that wasn't gelling with me is because that wasn't necessarily something I could control. And part of my surrender was that it may hurt. And I had to get to the place where what what finally broke for me was um, choosing the affirmation, I will be okay even if it hurts. Even if has become a powerful statement of shift in allowing and surrendering to what is for me. Um, that carried me through other procedures and the surgery that, you know, I had this vision of tried to visualize it going well and all those things, but always with the statement. But even if it doesn't go that way, I'm going to be okay. Definitely learning to surrender as part of strengthening is huge. I definitely have a different strength than surrender. I thought I knew it before, but it was definitely tested and strengthened and grown during this process. Now, Part of my fear of that pain of the injection was going back to what had happened to me as a young child. And so I had to do some separate processing before. I went back to those experiences, brought my current self, um, higher self, or any spiritual supports that I wanted and talked to that little girl and told her why it was happening and all of those things and really tried to heal some of what had happened there, which helped me come to this a little bit differently. And that's something we could talk about a whole other time about how you can go back and rework some of those experiences to help you show up a little bit differently and change your experience and those beliefs around it. But it's a very similar process. And it's just talking to that little girl and getting to those truths and assuring and supporting and all of those pieces. I had done that work before I got here. So I was showing up a little better already, but I still had to surrender to the fact that it might hurt um, and that I would be okay even if it did. And so I think the recognition, I'm going to talk about that a little bit more, um, just about to surrendering at one point to what that is. But I knew that I could control what I was saying in my mind, what I was listening to, what I was thinking about. Um, I planned on taking in um, my mom's meditation on the first one. And then I did my own meditation with these positive affirmations with ocean sounds that are calming to me during the actual procedure. Those were things I could control. What I was hearing, what I was saying, how I was breathing. And those were the things that I focused on. And I visualized all of that in as much detail as possible as I was going through this. So I kept going through... Um, and recognizing, again, that resisting is always amping it up. So checking myself to just keep surrendering. I had to learn this in this process over and over again. So, and I said those words over and over during the actual injection. I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. Um, and then when it was done, I wanted to be a participant in that as well. And again, verbalize my choice and honestly just celebrate getting through it. So when it was finished, I whispered the words, it's done. And I planned on that. I visualized that first, right? And seeing myself say, it's done. So that's the main bulk of the process. Visualize the event or experience from beginning to end in as much detail with as much senses, sensory input, motor output as possible. And giving yourself those key words for those action points or where you're, you feel like you've got to take, you need to take action at that point because you're going back into the, oh, this is happening to me. I have no control and I'm totally afraid. And getting in truth with affirmations that resonate as accurate and in line, recognizing where to surrender, and, and then just practicing that. So really, step three 
is writing down those action point keywords or what you're going to do at those points. That acts as a sequential they act as sequential guideposts. So you're going to practice this. You have to practice practice visualizing this again a few times until you're confident in your ability to do so during the actual event. So I practiced it until those keywords were automatic. I had those three key points that I was doing. I also took my affirmation. They let me keep the earphones in one ear so that I could still listen to them in the other ear. And then I actually had a stone a rose quartz that was smooth that I kept in my hand that I used when I was visualizing that if I started to get into fear, I would just rub again and bring myself back to love and compassion and I'm okay, I'm okay, so that I could have that too in case I started to spiral during the the actual event. So you want to have something physical and tangible besides those words sometimes if you need that, that helps kind of bring you back to what you have practiced and conditioned yourself to do. So again, that practicing, I practiced it probably three or four times. Um, And I would do it with those ocean sounds and practice that so that I was ready to go. So when I went in for the, the first injection, I had to have two and they were about four days apart. And the first one, it went beautifully. Like it was a totally different experience. And it still hurt because they were on the nerve and I could feel that nerve and they slowed down. But it was just like so like in line and it just felt calming. It was early in the morning. I woke up feeling calm and ready to go. And it just went so well. And when I left, I was on a high. Even though it was, I was like, I did it. I was okay. I showed up differently. My experience was different, even though there was still pain involved. And I just celebrated. I was so excited. And and, and that lasted for about two days when I realized I had to do it again. And um, I was just scared all over again. And I was more confident in some ways because that had worked. But then I kind of had this expectation of like, oh my gosh, like it has to go like this, right? So um, it was a different place of the injection and the day was different. It ended up being at the end of the day where the second procedure was done. I had to work. There were some different things going on. It was just kind of stressful and I was still kind of shaken by the time we got to the place again. Um, walked in this time. It was very different. It threw me off right at the front because everything was supposed to be being billed to insurance, but then they had me pay, which I wasn't expecting. So I was off from that. And then the person that came in, it was not the normal nurse that I had had. And he was kind of just, he was not very compassionate and just kind of brisk. And so I just started feeling off and I said the statement, um, let's proceed. But then I still couldn't quite pull myself together. I couldn't see myself surrendering. I was in so much fear and I tried, Um, And I kind of got calmed down, but the numbing was different. It just didn't quite work. And I could feel them go into my SI joint and I just about came off that table and tears were streaming down my face. And he just told me to count down to get through it. And I got done and it had hit it in such a way that I was in so much pain. I couldn't get off the table for a while. They put me in a wheelchair. I was sobbing by the time Will came to get me. And I just sobbed the rest of the day because I was in A, intense pain, but B, because I felt like I had failed. I couldn't figure out why it had not gone well. I had done everything like I'd done before. Why did this happen? Um, And what was interesting is in that time, my mother's voice came again to my mind. And because I was also queen of beating myself up. And she said, you know, stop, stop beating yourself up. And thankfully, I have a support system now also um, with my husband telling me, you know, you showed up, you did this, that's, that's victory, you just showed up. And in my experience, it's about showing up a certain way. It was never just about 
if you show up, it's enough, right? And so this was a huge core belief of mine that I had to work on changing that, you know what, sometimes just showing up is victory, that you just show up and you get through it. And that was one of the lessons that I needed to learn out of that second experience that I showed up and I did it, even if it wasn't what I thought it was, thought it was supposed to be, um, or what I expected or wanted it to be. And this is really the biggest lesson in this is to let go of an expected outcome. This is a critical thing as to part of why I think I needed to learn this, this lesson and have this experience. There were other reasons that after I showed up with self-care and self-compassion, I was able to get to, um, but I really was hooked into a certain outcome as one of my mentors, Dale Holloway says all the time, how, if you get hooked into that outcome, this is where you get into such disappointment. And, and, and many in psychology talk about it all the time as part of work with that cognitive behavior therapy, that when we have that expectation of something that doesn't go that way, that's where we deal with some of those really negative emotions. And so it's really about letting go and allowing whatever the outcome is. It's hoping for the best, but even if, even if it doesn't go that way, knowing and trusting you're going to be okay that sometimes just showing up, just getting through it makes you victorious. So I, you know, this was the big takeaway that, and this was huge. I needed both of those experiences because when I went into surgery, I did the same thing. And I even had my meditation completely on with all my affirmations on my headphones. And I listened to something during surgery. They allowed me to do that. Um, But because I had had that second experience where it hadn't gone as planned, I had prepared myself for even if, and that happened in surgery when they went to, again, do my IV, um, it took them a little bit and then they couldn't get blood out of it for all the blood draws. So they had to poke me again and I was so dehydrated. They had several pokes to get it out, had issues the day after surgery with my IV, with that vein um, collapsing. And so they had to redo it. And I was so terrified because I was so dehydrated and getting poked a million times and I was already in so much pain after surgery, but I was okay. I showed up to that differently than I ever would have in the past um, because of that even if. And that built my confidence and empowerment in in such a key way. Um, I talk a lot about the hero's journey. It's something that I use in connection with our warrior retreat events. I love the hero's journey, that idea, you know, that um, archetypal journey of uh, that's used in movies and books, but it's because it's based on life, right? We get this call that comes, we're terrified for it, what's in front of us. Um, then we usually have a mentor that steps in and reminds us of what we can do and helps prepare us for it. We go into those battles, usually facing some of the most scary ones of our lives. We come out of that changed. We go back to the, the previous world that we were in or that space that we started in, but we're changed, we're different. And this is what happens to us over and over again. We relive this cycle. And I think the key thing for us to remember is that call wouldn't come if we weren't ready for it. And and so to recognize that, that if whatever comes in front of us, we are ready for, even if we don't feel like it. There's going to be things that we learn and strength that we gain through it, of course, and growth that happens because of it. But we can still handle it because it wouldn't come if we couldn't. Sometimes we just survive the experience. Sometimes that's all we do. But after is where we still have choice of how we will recover and grow. And that's why these 12 steps are so important to me. When I was going through other difficult things in my life that felt like they had happened to me, these were about taking that power back. It was about claiming my power and moving forward with conscious victor energy, which is the energy of surviving 
overcoming and rising in faith. And those were things that were critical for me and that we always have that choice at some point, maybe not beginning of the event, um, but after that event, we usually have that opportunity to choose that. Um, So those are things that I just, to be mindful of and think about. Um, And I hope this is something that might resonate with you um, to try. Um, It really shifted my experiences. These things I was, these were some of the things I was most terrified for. I was terrified for surgery, scared for these procedures. And this, they gave me an opportunity to practice these skills. That was part of my choosing how I was going to show up to the bridge to see them that way. Um, as an opportunity to grow in that experience and gain empathy, if nothing else, and then be able to take those um, forward and move with those. So these three action items that I'd, um, well, I need, before I go into actions items, I need to say this. Um, Those unexpected things that happen, really the, the takeaway of that before I go into these action items is this, expect the unexpected. Plan for what to do if it doesn't go as planned. So I did create, there were three things that I realized in that process of having the unexpected happen. First, I came up with three things to help as those thoughts started to spiral after that. Um, th- three key words to pull me out of that. You have to disrupt those those automatic thoughts that you start to spiral when those emotions get intense. So I just say the word in my mind, stop. And then I say breathe, because when you take a deep breath, it moves you out of that reactionary brain, that lizard brain of fight, flight, or freeze, and pulls you back into the parasympathetic nervous system where you can start to be rational. And then the third word is choose. So once I get in my rational brain, when I'm in my rational brain, I can choose what to do. Maybe I need to say something. Maybe I need to breathe more. Maybe I need to pull in those affirmations. I can choose, though, once I'm in that rational brain. So those three words, when I start to spiral, stop breathe. When I take a deep breath, choose. And then I consciously choose what I'm going to do there. Those positive affirmations are something that are critical to play before and during. Have positive affirmations that are your backup plan. So if things start to go, I'm still okay, even if I'm still okay. Those were part of my key affirmations that I would say even when it went in an unexpected direction. And the third was the critical piece, self-compassion. I went immediately in to self-judgment and self-punishment because I didn't do that second procedure perfectly. I felt like I had failed. And it just it just sent me spiraling and I believe made the pain and everything else worse because I couldn't stop beating myself up for that. And it took me, I know self-compassion. I have studied the work of of, of especially Kristen Neff that I'm going to share in the next episode, her work on self-compassion, her research, she was kind of the pioneer in that. It is brilliant and it is a game changer. And the research is so clear that self-punishment does zero for behavior change. Zero. Self-compassion, however, yields that change that we are looking for. And it wasn't until I brought in that self-compassion that I could start to process that event and see the lessons and all of that because I wasn't in self-pity based on beating myself up and because I had quote unquote failed. That was critical. And that's why I'm going to talk about self-compassion in the next episode, because before we go into the final stage of step 11, where we talk about a research-based approach for behavior change to get us to building positive habits. 
If we don't show up with self-compassion, anytime we try something new, changing our thoughts, changing our beliefs, changing our behaviors, and we don't quote unquote do it correctly or perfectly, or we struggle with it, our default usually is to go into self-judgment and self-punishment. And that actually is going to be the thing that ensures that we don't turn that into a positive behavior change that's sustainable. So it's critical that self-compassion be part of this whole journey, the whole way, every step, but especially on these later steps as we work to change our thoughts, emotions, beliefs, and finally our behaviors. So self-compassion is something really to be mindful to show up with in this process of this conscious constructive conditioning to change our experiences so that when we go over that bridge, um, then we can show up to it, you know, practicing it before, visualizing what it's going to be like and going through those action points with keywords that then we can show up with confidence and still know that even if we're going to be okay. So here's your three action items. Um, choose an event or experience that you have in front of you that you might have anxiety around. Become aware of your thoughts, feelings, and beliefs about the experience and choose to show up in Victor energy. So make that conscious choice about how you want to show up. How can you see this? How can you reframe this as an opportunity to experience and gain empathy, as an opportunity to practice your skills, an opportunity to learn, um, whatever that is. Seeing this as a reframing it as for you instead of to you is huge. Then the second action item, go through the three steps in the process of conscious constructive conditioning. Visualize it with as much sense, sensory input and motor output as possible. Get those keywords or actions at those action points that will help you move in from that victim to victor energy and then write those down. Use them as your um, guideposts. Um, and then practice, practice, practice until you're confident to do so. The third action step, show up to the event without a need for an expected outcome and with an abundance of self-compassion. That's going to be critical. Just a reminder that you can find notes and references for this podcast at pursuingperspective.org podcast. And this podcast is going to be released now about every couple of weeks um, but still every um, on Mondays is when that release is going to be. We are continuing to work through the strength and portion of our RISE theme as we finish working through step 11 of the 12 steps by discussing next time more in detail self-compassion and then positive behavior change through an evidence-based method as we create those healing habits. I look forward to connecting with you on this journey of healing and growth as we pursue perspective and progression. Until next time. Thank you for joining us today. For more podcasts and information on events, visit pursuingperspective.org.